LLC Leadership Podcast. I have a rather short and standalone episode today. Standalone because it's not part of an active series, but it, it is continuing in something we've talked about at length, the longest we've talked about so far about leading in anxious times. I want to talk about specifically tips for applying this. And this is based on a number of conversations I've had with people who are applying it and the learnings they've had from there. I wanted to make this a standalone series because we are working on a few other things, uh, specifically an interview that I'm very, very excited for, something that I've been meaning. Um, I've been wanting to do this interview since March. Even before the podcast launched, I knew we were going to do this interview and it could only be done in September and you'll understand why. And so we're waiting for that. We're building up towards that. After that interview, um, we have a new series coming up as well. And I'm very, very excited for that also. And so we're going to have a couple of standalone episodes or a few, three, four standalone episodes between now and then. And specifically for this episode today, I want to talk about applying that whole concept that we've been talking about in Leading in Anxious Times, the series about family systems. And I've been hearing lots of comments from people from different uh, fields and spheres of influence, people from different uh, backgrounds and They've been applying this, and it's been great. One of my favorite comments was someone who commented that this wasn't just something that was significant for her in her leadership, but applied to her family as well. And I said, absolutely. In fact, that's why this, the school of thought is called family systems theory. And when we talk about people applying uh, family systems theory, which is what the formal name is, there's really some general steps and processes that we've seen. The first one is you hear about the concepts. You hear about the concepts and, oh, ganun pala, oh, nga, no, makes sense, or whatever your response is. Second step is we start noticing it happening. It's usually very easy to notice it happening with other people. The next step is to see it happening in yourself, to catch the anxiety in yourself, to catch the impatience or the fear or the worry or the or whatever it is in yourself. Thirdly, is uh, we can we might still give in to the anxiety, we might still say something hurtful or do something hurtful, but we know what's happening. Let me tell you, that's a very crucial step. Don't feel bad about that and think that oh gosh, I saw it happening and I still did it. The fact that you saw it happening is good, is huge. Fourth step is you know what's happening, and while it's happening, you can choose a different direction. That's huge. That's what we talked about before uh, in one of the earlier episodes about the slow motion. And finally, the fifth step is you get better at choosing a different path and therefore can change your habits. You know, I say steps. Don't be too strict about that. Uh, Many of the people I've listened to or read about when it comes to family systems theory, are wary about the idea of steps with good reason because steps seem to think it must be like this and there's no other way. See, the thing with us is very often we get anxious about giving in to anxiety. You're going to make mistakes. That's normal. That's fine. That's how I would be before. If I would learn something like this, I would think, okay, I've learned it. Now I shouldn't do it again. I should know better next time. Eh, it's not about what you know, right? That's what we've talked about. Insight is not enough. You've got to cut yourself some slack. We're all a work in progress. And that's why for this specific episode, we want to focus on applying family systems 
And I want to give you a few points on that with, with my own day for as an example. You know, recently I was preaching in our church in Victory Katipunan and I was preaching about um, struggling with sin. And uh, I told a story about, you know, my own shortcomings and in a very uh, recent struggle I've been having. And I got so much, honestly, helpful feedback from that, from people saying thank you for talking about that. So talking about this. So I wanted to use a, a real life example for myself. So five tips to help us keep applying family systems theory. Five tips to help us keep uh, having less anxious leadership. Number one, if you want to develop less anxious leadership in yourself, if you want to be able to spot this in yourself, then you have to give yourself space, time, margin uh, for reflection. It can't be done without that. In the book, The Leader's Journey, they'd say that's one of the, the, the foundations to living this kind of life. You have to have that margin. You have to have that margin in the beginning of your day. For Christians, if you think about quiet time and devotions, that's really what it is. This isn't so much now if a time for building knowledge. Now, if you do build knowledge, that's great. But really what this is, is a time to reflect, to hear from God, to create that space. You need it in the beginning of your day. You need it throughout your day as well. Um, I, I owed Pastor Jansen Morados, uh, our senior pastor for Santa Rosa and and also, um, you know, the executive pastor for Victory Metro Manila, that concept, uh, he shared it with, with us, leadership space. The idea that he doesn't book his meetings or appointments or tasks one after the other. He puts 10 minutes, 15 minutes, half an hour in between them to give himself time to think about what just happened, how he responded to things, what he could have done better, and also moving forward, what's about to happen next. Leaders, don't feel guilty for taking that. You need that. Don't feel guilty and act like you need to be just as busy as everybody else. Oh, everybody's stressed, so I should look stressed. No, what determines your leadership is your results. And we'll talk about that in another episode. You need it in the beginning of your day, throughout your day, and at the end of your day. You know, very often because of smartphones, because of streaming services, um, because of YouTube, we can finish our day still consuming other things. Where's the reflection? Where's the stopping? That you ask yourself, well, what went well? What could we do better? What could I do differently? Just today, um, we had a really full, really busy day. And, you know, by the end of the day, we were all just tired. Uh, my, I'm on a road trip with my family and... And my wife, our sons, our uh, her niece, our companion, everyone was just tired and we needed to wind down. And so we did. We, we asked ourselves, what were your highs of the day? What were your low points of the day? What were the interesting parts of your day? And that helped us wind down. That's reflection. When are you doing that? See, see what when we say the space, time, margin, this doesn't just mean isolation. This doesn't mean you have to go to an island somewhere. No, just take a break. Take a break. Maybe don't listen to something on your on your headphones. Maybe just have some time away from your device. Maybe just go for a walk. Give yourself that space, margin, time for reflection. 
Second tip for helping us apply uh, family systems theory. Be honest with your emotions. Be honest with your emotions. I know I've said this before in other episodes. We've said it several times <laughs> throughout this series, but I cannot stress this enough. For many of the people who I've talked to about this on Instagram or in real life, this is where the first uh, trip up happens. You got to really say it. You have to articulate it. Very often what I hear is people saying, Pastor Joe, could you comment, what do I do pag ganito, ganito? And most often what I'll say in Instagram is, what do you feel? Tell me what this is sound like. <laughs> it's so funny how long it takes before people will answer that question directly by saying, I feel like this, like this, like this. Very often it will be, I should. Very often it will be, well, they're wrong. It's a blaming them. You, you have to articulate it. I feel like blah, 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 blah. Sometimes at that point, you already find the situation being diffused because you realize, yeah, that's, I feel this, but this is not the, what the reality is. See, the problem I've seen in myself uh, and other people is we don't want to acknowledge these emotions. We feel like in acknowledging them, we've already lost. We've made a wrong turn because I'm not supposed to feel that way. Here's the thing. Supposed has nothing to do with it. You either do feel that way or you don't feel that way. It's that simple. And that's why this step is so important. Instead of being honest, we're aiming for the idealized versions of ourselves. The social media presented front of yourself. Not helpful. Be honest. You want to take it further? I'll tell you how to take it further. Make it even more uncomfortable. Write it down. Type it out on your phone. And then read that. It's difficult. But that's going to be effective. Why? Because you're allowing yourself to really think about what's going on. And not just pretending. Number one, give yourself space, margin, time for reflection. Number two, be honest with your emotions. Number three, examine your assumptions. Examine the assumptions that are driving those emotions. Sometimes they're accurate, but many times they're not. Let me give you a real-life example from just this morning. This morning, we had a really full day as a family. I was preparing the itinerary, and we had to pack up and move out from where we were staying to move to a different place and had three or four or five, six different stops along the way. So we're getting up. I've just loaded the whole car. The car is packed up. I go back to pick up Philip, who's still sleeping, pick him up, and Philip says, oh, I left something, my stuffed sheep. He bought this Minecraft sheep. <laughs> There's no telling what that boy likes. So I'm holding Philip in my arms. He's getting heavy. I'm holding other things with my fingers because I'm the kind of person who wants to carry everything in one go. And so I'm. it's getting heavy. I turn to my wife and I say, do you have his sheep? And she says, yes, I've got it. I've got his sheep. All right, we get to the car. Philip's half asleep. because goes, where's my sheep? Where's my sheep? Already, there's a twinge of irritation in me, okay? It's like, kid, we're just trying to get to where we're going on time. I've loaded up the car for you. Don't even say thank you. All you can think about is this stuffed sheep, but fine. I turn to Carla and I say, sweetheart, where's the sheep? And she says, what sheep? Philip's sheep. I say, she goes, 
I don't know where it is. You just said two minutes ago. No, I didn't. Yes, I turned to you at the door and I said, do you have Philip sheep? And she said, oh, I thought you said shoe. And at this point, I just want to get going because this, you know we're trying to, to, to make it to the first stop on time. So I walked back and I was getting irritated. All right. Now, normally, here's what I would do. I wouldn't be honest with the emotions. I would just power through. I'm on a mission. Get the stuffed toy. Leave. Get to the venue on time so I can buy what I need to buy without running out of stock. But that wouldn't help. See what that would do? Is it would just pile up in me. The irritation. The feeling would still be there. The assumption would still be there. And here's what would happen. I'd hold myself back and I'd be using up my willpower. Now here's the thing. Psychologists tell us in The Power of Habit and other books that willpower is a finite resource. It's a limited resource. And so what would happen is, and this has happened so many times in my life and in our marriage, in my family, I'm holding it back, I'm holding it back, I'm keeping it in. Somewhere in the middle of the day, I would snap and I'd take it out on her and she'd be confused. She'd be wondering, why have you been grumpy the whole day? And I'm going to think, it's all because you thought I said sheep, a shoe, when I really said sheep. So I had to, instead, I was honest with my feelings. I'm irritated with Carla. But after that, I examined my assumptions. Why am I irritated? What am I thinking? I articulated it in my head as I was walking back. You know what? I think Carla doesn't think about the implications on me. She doesn't realize how much I have to go back and carry these things. And then I examined my assumptions. Is this true? <laughs> and at that point, I started chuckling to myself. Because that's not true. Not at all. It's so far from that. What am I even thinking? feeling this irritation. There's no way. She She's packed everything for us. She's taken care of me and then the kids this whole trip. She just misheard. You examine your assumptions. You examine your assumptions and true or false and then you can deal with the emotions well. And after that, it was done. I made a choice when I got back not to put an edge to my words or to my facial expression. And honestly, it was easy because I realized the assumption was false. That's not how my wife is. Give yourself space, time, margin for reflection. That's what I did. That's what I had by walking back. Be honest with your emotions. I didn't listen to a podcast. I thought and I said it out loud. I think my wife isn't caring about me. I'm irritated. But I examined it as well where it's coming from. I saw it for the falsehood that it was. The emotion dealt with itself. Fourth tip. Widen your perspective. Widen your perspective. Remember, we've talked about this in the interview with Seth in episode 5, that anxiety is a narrowing force. This is all I see. This is the only thing that needs to change. Shoe versus sheep. That's the only thing that's going on. No, no. Widen your perspective. I began to ask myself as I got back in the car, why? Ang aga-aga naman. How did I get irritated so early? This is supposed to be a good day. What was going on? I was so pumped up for today. And here's what I realized. And I'll be honest. I'll be vulnerable with you guys. 
I realized that it wasn't about the shoe sheep thing. It wasn't about Philip. It wasn't about Carla. I realized that something had already been bothering me from the moment I woke up. And it was a few text messages I got about work that as soon as I woke up. And uh, I confess, I didn't have my quiet time. I didn't even pray. I didn't read the Bible. I didn't worship. I read those messages. Something stuck in my head and I was like, what is wrong with these people? I was irritated. What was that doing? That was widening my perspective. When I saw that the issue that was presented wasn't the only issue. Look at that. I started the whole day wrong. I didn't have the space for reflection. And that already bothered me. No reflection, no peace. Irritated by two small messages. Now I'm ready to be grumpy at my whole family. Yuck. Ugly. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Thank you, God, for showing me. And so I decided to pray. That's the spirit-empowered leadership we talked about last episode, the gift of leadership. And ask God for grace. God, I started off on the wrong foot. Please help me. This is going to be a great day. And then change the music, listen to some hymns. And that started to change things. Widen your perspective. What is causing you anxiety right now? Is it the only thing in your life? Widening your perspective could look like choosing to look at the relationship as a whole, not just a specific incident in the relationship, not just what happened this morning. Look at the whole relationship. When I did that with my relationship with my son, with my wife, oh, shoe sheep, nothing, not a big deal. Another thing that widening your perspective could look like, not letting one thing define your identity, your value, or even your mood for the day. Not letting one task, one person, one circumstance define everything. But taking in a full picture, especially God's perspective on your day. You know what else it could look like? Widening your perspective? Looking at someone else's condition, not just your own. Serving. Helping somebody else. That widens your perspective. Puts your problems in a different light. Widening your perspective will help you, will help us have less anxious leadership. What do you need to widen your perspective about today? Let me say something about this. This is one of the challenges or problems I see with social media. Social media is great and the internet obviously is a great place for learning. But here's the thing. Because of the algorithms, we are learning and constantly seeing stuff that we chose to see, that we want to see. And so we've put these things in front of us, and sometimes they could be good things, but sometimes they could be bad things, and sometimes even the good things, you need to look at something else. But the problem is, because we've curated all that we're going to see, we're going to see more and more and more of the same thing. And that's not always helpful. God's Word is applicable to everything god's world is big but because we're looking at social media the world we've defined for ourselves we're not seeing other things this is why genuine relationships are important because other people in your life are going to show you things that you weren't planning to see 
but maybe it would be very helpful for you to see. What are you doing with that? How are you applying that? How are you widening your perspective? Finally, number five, have someone you can talk to. Have someone you can talk to about what you're going through. And this is the second, uh, a second pillar that Leadership Journey describes in chapter two. A community of grace and truth. Grace and truth looks like freedom to speak, to rant, to even be immature. That's the grace part. But also truth empowers you to take responsibility. For me today, this was Carla. <laughs> After the worship, I looked at her and I said, Sweetheart, I got to talk to you about something. I'm bothered by two messages I woke up reading. And, you know, this is just me and being immature. We talked about it. And she did agree with some of the parts that I was being immature, but she also saw the point and said, yeah, but, you know, you really should ask for better treatment than that. I'm like, yeah, you're right. Thank you. And that's it. We had a great day as a family. It wasn't a perfect day, to, to be sure. I made lots of mistakes. I got anxious later on. I had to apologize to Philip for a number of things. But, man, today was an awesome day. It was made even more awesome in my mind by the fact that it started so poorly and yet the ending was different I don't know what you're facing right now I don't know if you feel like maybe that you've started off poorly maybe it's not just the day maybe an entire project an entire uh, season a uh, relationship is starting poorly it can still go differently listen to the leading in anxious times and apply some of these tips. Number one, give yourself that space, that margin, that time for reflection. Secondly, be honest with your emotions. Now, thirdly, examine your assumptions. Fourthly, widen your perspective. And lastly, talk to someone about it. A believer who can help you and speak to you with grace and truth. So that's it for our standalone episode. I'd love to hear from you. Um, again, like I always say, you can reach me at, at Campus Joe. If you added me and I'm not adding you back, send me a message first so I'll know who you are. Now, I don't always check the requests, but uh, I, that's on Instagram. Uh, you can find the show notes for this on encleaders.ph. God bless you. And I'm believing for less anxious, not just leadership, but less anxious life for you. It should have great effect on your work, on your team, on your family. See you.